0: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We have got an absolute cavalcade of stories to discuss today, but I want to start with uh, a story that I don't think anybody else is going to be willing to be honest with you about. And that is what is going on right now with Mel Tucker and Michigan State. I'm going to... Uh, circle around and talk about a lot of things, NFL opening weekend, college football week two, Alabama, Texas, Iowa, Iowa State, DeSantis and Trump there, SEC losing its five biggest out-of-conference games, like I said, the big win that Texas got, the fact that the NFL has no idea what the difference is between a pass and a fumble, the Pac-12 lawsuit, I mean, this may be like an hour-long show before all is said and done because we have so many topics to discuss ESPN and Charter Communications uh, ending their dispute just in time for Monday Night Football. Tonight's Monday Night Football game between uh, the Jets and the Bills, which is a fabulous game. And let me go ahead and tell you, we took some on the chin this weekend so far in the NFL outkick six-pack and in college football. I'm on the over tonight for the Jets going up against the Bills. Fifth Circuit decision on Supreme Court, uh, headed to the Supreme Court potentially. On the First Amendment, so many stories for us to discuss. The SEC power ratings, the outkick top 10. Uh, We've got, like I said, a cavalcade of stories. But I want to start. A lot of those are just reacting to games. A lot of them not necessarily huge stories. You'll hear people talk about them elsewhere. I bet you will hear no one else talk about what I am about to discuss. And that is this. Michigan State football coach Mel Mel Tucker is getting railroaded. This is one of the craziest stories that I have seen in college football. And a lot of people are going to be afraid to talk about it because there's this specter of sexual assault hanging over it. But when you actually dive into the specifics, when you go to the facts and you analyze them, I don't think this is a very complicated case. And I think Mel Tucker is getting railroaded. I think he is being taken advantage of here by a media ecosystem that is not interested in facts. So let me lay it out for you. And again, I bet I'm the only person who you're going to hear discuss this in any way. And if you're not familiar with this story at all, I understand. So I'm going to try to give you a little bit of a baseline. So Mel Tucker is the head football coach at Michigan State. Uh, He signed, uh, about a year and a half ago or so, a 10-year, $95 million contract after he came off of an 11-2 season. Mel Tucker, formerly a Georgia Bulldog defensive coordinator, formerly the Colorado Buffaloes head football coach, I don't know him really that well. We did a wins and losses a while back. You can go read it, uh, sorry, you can go listen to it, long-form discussion. So, Mel Tucker brings in a woman named Brenda Tracy, who is a sexual assault survivor and now makes a living going and talking to schools about sexual assault-related issues and trying to get players, coaches, administrators, everybody involved in college athletics to understand the significance of sexual assault and why you should not put yourself into situations that can lead to sexual assault-related issues. That's an important job. She has an important job. That is important if you have young men, young women on college campuses. I think we can all say that we are 100% united in trying to limit the amount of sexual assaults that go on and that education can hopefully help to do so. That is a very just goal. And it sounds like the foundation of the Mel Tucker and Brenda Tracy relationship dealt with that. That he and she are trying to limit the amount of sexual assault-related incidents that might happen on Michigan State's campus. So she came to speak multiple times to his team. During that process, they began to know each other. And it sounds like Mel Tucker and Brenda Tracy, based on the article in the USA Today, and the 1,200-page Title IX investigation that they cite, it sounds like both of these individuals became interested in each other, potentially, over that time, romantically interested. And we know some of the details because of the Title IX investigation. 27 phone calls between the two. The average length of those phone calls, over 30 minutes, many of them, late at night. So let me just start here. How many people, if you are watching and or listening to me right now, how many of you have made 27 phone calls lasting over 30 minutes in length to any person in America so far this year? I have not. I do not believe there is a single person that I have called 27 times and had the average length of our phone conversations be over 20, uh, over 30 minutes. My wife, my mom, uh, co-workers, my kids, there is no one in America that I have called 27 times and had the average phone conversation last over a half hour. I bet most of you watching or listening to me as well would say the same thing. An over 30-minute phone call average on 27 different phone calls, that means you've spent over 14 and a half hours on the phone with someone else. To me, okay, on its face, that does not sound like a work relationship. When I'm having work relationship phone calls, they aren't going on over 30 minutes every single time. Just doesn't happen. I don't talk to my kids that long on the phone. I don't talk to my own wife. I don't talk to my own mom that long on the phone. Okay, I just don't. This doesn't include text messages because according to the Title IX investigation, neither side's text messages still exist. So they're just looking at the phone record. So remember, if you're talking to somebody this much, you're probably also texting them a lot. Okay? So I think at some point, I don't know when, There became interest from Mel Tucker and Brenda Tracy, and I think Brenda Tracy became interested in Mel Tucker at some point. I just don't think you would be on the phone with someone that long. Let me just put it to you this way. If you found out that your significant other was on the phone with 27 phone calls lasting over a half hour on average with a member of the opposite sex, would you think to yourself that's probably 100% innocent? I wouldn't. I bet you wouldn't either. I bet most significant others wouldn't either, okay? So I think there's probably something going on. Now, Mel Tucker's married. Uh, And so Mel Tucker may have to sit down with his wife and explain what was going on with Brenda Tracy. And he may have already done it. I don't know him. Like I said, I don't get involved in other people's personal lives uh, by and large that I'm not involved with in some way. He and his wife have kids. They've been married a long time. I don't know what's going on in their life. If they have an issue with their marriage, then they can have that conversation. It doesn't involve his ability to coach football. If every football coach who ever had a personal relationship issue uh, was not able to coach football anymore, there'd be very few football coaches on the sideline. Football coaching, stressful job. You're on the road a lot. A lot of times you got young kids involved. Like a lot of marriages, it's just sometimes a challenge. All right, I'm just saying that. Okay, background. Mel Tucker is going to potentially get forced out of his head coaching job at Michigan State and lose $80 million because of one phone call that evidently had phone sex involved. And again, if you got kids, maybe this is the time you could, you know, the opening of this show, maybe they don't want to hear this, right? I'm talking for adults now, all right? The USA Today, according to their report here, uh, and I'm reading from their report because I haven't seen the Title IX investigation. I haven't read it. Um, they talked uh, for hours of times and uh, they made a phone call. This uh, this phone call dealt with, uh, this was on, uh, this was on, let me make sure that I get the the dates right. I want to get all the details. This was a phone call in December. Um, She was at her home office in Oregon, and Mel Tucker called her from Florida at 12.39 a.m. on the East Coast. So it's 9, what is that, 9.39 on the West Coast, 12.39 a.m. on the East Coast. This is a post-midnight on the East Coast phone call, a late-night call on the West Coast. I don't know what most of you do for livings. I doubt that you, in general, accept phone calls that last for over 30 minutes after midnight on the East Coast, after 9 p.m. on the West Coast, all right? This is a phone call that lasts 36 minutes. 36-minute phone call. I don't know how many of you watching right now have even had a 36-minute phone call this year. I bet a lot of you have not. Mel Tucker calls... And it turns sexual. Uh, and Mel Tucker admits that he that they had phone sex and that he jerked off while they were doing it. I think his position is she thinks she was also, he thinks she was also enjoying it, okay? 36 minute phone call. I don't know about you, but if someone called me, and they told me that they were jerking off on the other line, and I stayed on the phone call for 36 minutes, I think it would be reasonable to presume that I was consenting to the phone sex. This woman, Brenda Tracy, says that she panicked. She said, in the moment, it didn't occur to her to hang up. Eventually, she said something along the lines of, if you do this, I don't ever want to hear about it. We're only friends. That's it. That's what she says. 36-minute phone call. He's jerking off. You are so overcome with trauma that you don't think to push the hang-up button. I don't believe it. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't think a jury would believe it. Wait, you were so disappointed in what was going on that you stayed on the phone with him for 36 minutes? Okay, that's point one. I just don't believe it. I don't believe that you have 27 phone calls. They average over a half hour each. You get called at 1239 a.m. You stay on the phone for 36 minutes. I think what was going on here, If you look at the evidence, Mel Tucker was interested in Brenda Tracy, Brenda Tracy was interested in Mel Tucker, and after this phone call, it sounds like Mel Tucker got upset because Brenda Tracy told people about it, and word got back to him that she was talking about it, and then he decided to cancel her next speaking engagement on the campus, And so, then, on top of all this, uh, she then decides that she is going to complain to the Title IX investigation. She waits months, eight months, to file a Title IX complaint with Michigan State about the phone sex. There's going to be a hearing eventually in October She is trying to get him fired now because, in my opinion, he decided that he didn't want to be in a relationship with her. He decided to cancel her next speech on campus, and she decided she was going to go after him and file a Title IX complaint. They initially tried to settle this case. They weren't able to reach what I'm told is a settlement. And so now she is saying that he needs to be fired because she was a victim here. What is the crime? The crime is that they engaged in phone sex for 36 minutes back in December, a couple of years ago, whenever it was. And now this guy can't work as the head football coach at Michigan State again? That's not a crime. There's not even an allegation that he committed a crime. He was a guy who was interested in a girl. She returned the interest. When he decided he wasn't interested in her anymore, she turned him in, and now she's tried to get his job. I'm not saying Mel Tucker did did nothing wrong. He's going to have to talk to his wife. He probably had to talk to his kids. He's being humiliated right now. He's being dragged through the mud. She went to USA Today and gave them this entire story and said write it up and he is suspended now and they are potentially going to fire him. For what? One phone sex call? Am I am I taking crazy pills here? You can't coach football if you had phone sex with somebody? One time, and retroactively, she says she didn't consent to it? Phone sex! (laughs) I mean, this is not a crime. The standard for whether you can be a football coach is, does somebody decide that you had phone sex with them inappropriately because she froze and she couldn't hang up for 36 minutes? Do you know how many times I've frozen and not been able to hang up in 36 minutes? Zero! How many of you have had a non-consensual phone call for 36 flippant minutes? I haven't had a 36-minute phone call this year! It's hard to have a 36-minute phone call when you can text. I don't even like when people leave me voicemail messages. You got like me? I get upset when I have to check the voicemail. Just text me. Give it to me simple. Give me a sentence. I don't need a three minute voice message. It's all breaking up. I can't hear it. You're driving in your car. I get mad at people when they leave me voice messages. And you're telling me Brenda Tracy was on the phone with him for 36 minutes after midnight? And she retroactively didn't consent to phone sex? He didn't even touch her. I'm just I'm looking at all this evidence. I read this article and I was like, there's gotta be something else here. They're gonna take this man's $80 million? That's the most expensive phone call in the history of mankind. I thought 20 cents a minute was expensive back in the day. This man got $2 million a minute. Over $2 million a minute. How am I the only person even talking about this? Did anybody else read this article? Is there anybody else in sports media that's like, hold up, this is crazy? She talked to him 27 times an average of over 30 minutes each time on the night in question it was a 36 minute phone call and the only reason she made a title IX complaint is because he cut off their relationship I don't know Mel Tucker maybe he decided you know what this has gone too far this is not a good decision I made a mistake was after midnight I shouldn't have called her I it was dumb of me. I've got to cut this relationship off. I'm married. I've got kids. I got too much at stake. I don't need to be involved. I don't know. Again, because I don't know Mel Tucker. But how is he going to lose his job over this? And how is she a good person for doing this? If your goal is to prevent sexual assault, more power to you, I'm in favor of it. If your goal is to prevent sexual assault, aren't you delegitimizing the work you're doing by claiming that you engaged in non-consensual phone sex in a 36-minute phone call and that the guy who was on the line with you has to be fired? Who would ever trust this woman again? If I'm a multi-million dollar head coach, why would I ever bring this woman onto my campus again? Honest question. If I know that you got Mel Tucker fired because you had some form of relationship with him and retroactively you decided it was no longer appropriate, why would I want you around my program? This is a very, like, I would, I would love to have this case and put it in front of a jury. Because I think they would go to deliberate in five minutes and I think they'd come back and they would say, Mel Tucker's not guilty here. He gets to keep his job. He may be guilty of being dumb. We're all guilty of being dumb at some point or another. But guilty of behavior that doesn't allow him to coach football anymore? He didn't put his hands on this woman. He was interested in her. She was interested in him. And the timeline tells the story here. She didn't complain until he wasn't bringing her to campus anymore. And the whole idea of a Title IX complaint shows you how out for blood she is. She's not even really a Michigan State employee. She's just a vendor. Because she's coming and giving a speech. I go give speeches on campus sometimes. This is a vindictive, indefensible move, in my opinion, by Brenda Tracy. And the whole way this is being covered I'm probably the only person who's going to walk through and talk about how crazy all this is. Why? Because most people in sports media are cowards. They're afraid of losing their own job. And they look at this story and they say, hashtag, I have to believe all women or else people are going to come after me. BS, okay? You can disagree with me on a lot of things. I look at the facts. I analyze them. And I tell you exactly what I think. Doesn't matter if you're male, female, black, white, gay, straight, whatever you are. Mel Tucker is being railroaded here. And I bet I am the only person in all of sports media who is even going to say this. And you know what's going to happen? It's already happening. My phone is going to blow up. Coaches all over the country. Players all over the country. They're all like, you're 100% right. And I'm going to be like, but you're not going to say it publicly. And they're going to say, yep, I'm not. Because the world we have created is so dishonest that the moment you come out and say something like me, your boys, I'm going to get attacked like crazy. Go search my name. Oh, Clay Travis, rape rape apologist was phone sex. I'm anti-rape, just like I'm anti-murder. I'm opposed to violent crime. I hate violent crime more than anybody. So far, I've avoided ever being accused of a violent crime. I hope to go to my grave with that to my name. So far, so good. But that doesn't mean that you have to accept all of these BS arguments. And I just ask you this. This man's going to lose his job, potentially. Because of retroactive, non-consensual phone sex? Does the hang up button work? And again, 36 minute phone call. 36 minutes. That's a lot of seconds where you could have chosen to end the call. It's not like he called her and he was like, my pants are down, my dick's in my hand, let's get to it. 36 minutes. Most of the time, you get five minute free previews on Spectre Vision. I don't. I, I, maybe I'm not. Maybe I, I'm. I'm getting older, so maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not an expert anymore. I don't think most dudes jerk off for thirty six minutes. That honestly sounds kind of miserable. So, thirty six minute phone call, and you were so traumatized you couldn't hang up. But it's amazing how you didn't complain until he tried to break the relationship off. And now she's the victim? No, no, no. What she is doing is delegitimizing a huge majority of the work that she does. And Mel Tucker is just being railroaded. This is all BS. And I'm sorry for being so fired up about this. I've talked about it for almost 30 minutes now. But this is the kind of story... Where I look around and say, no one else is going to say what I just said. Not one person. Not one damn person. How many people work at ESPN? How many people work at Fox Sports? How many people work at CBS Sports? How many people work at NBC Sports? How many people work in sports media? Thousands? Tens of thousands? Not one person is going to read this facts and put their name behind it and say, this is BS, except for me. If I didn't just lay out everything that I did, not one person in sports media would point all of this out. Again, I don't know Mel Tucker. I don't have any relationship with him. I don't know Brenda Tracy. I don't have any relationship with her. I'm just looking at the facts as laid out in this USA Today story. And the fact that they're trying to take Mel Tucker's job for this is an absolute sham. It is a travesty. It is an indefensible railroading of a guy who didn't do anything wrong from a criminal perspective. He's human. He screwed up. He acknowledged that he screwed up, and he tried to make things better. I just, I can't believe this is where we are. I can't believe that there are so many cowards in American society. I can't believe that the sports media, frankly, is filled with so many abject wusses. So many people are worried about trying to keep their $75,000 a year job or their $50,000 a year job that they won't speak the truth. And you know what? On some level, I get that because I've been poor. I've been in a job where I didn't make that much money and I'm worried about paying my mortgage or I'm worried about being able to pay for my child care, take care of my family. But there are people out there making millions of dollars. There are people out there making tens of millions of dollars. Who are you afraid of? Why are you cowards? Why am I the only dude with a pair of big brass balls that'll actually say what I think when stories like these happen? They need, Look, I wish I was not alone. I wish there was a ton of people out there because if there were, stories like this wouldn't happen. The reason why we have allowed stories like this to occur is because cowardice triumphs. Everybody knows this is wrong. Everybody who read this article is like, this is crazy. And again, I'm not saying that Mel Tucker doesn't have to talk to his wife, that he doesn't have to talk to his family, doesn't have to talk to his kids. Heck, he may have to talk to his team and say, look, I'm imperfect. I screwed up. I was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. But don't we want people who are imperfect to recognize their flaws and try to talk to kids about them? There are no perfect coaches. There are no perfect humans. Why are we creating a world where we incentivize people to find a little bit of misbehavior, a little bit of moral failing, and then go public with it and try to humiliate the person? What does Brenda Tracy want here? Why is she trying to destroy Mel Tucker's life? Because she's a woman spurned. If you're going to assess the relative merits of the two positions, Brenda Tracy is not the hero of this story. She's the villain. And she's actually delegitimizing everything that she claims to care about by asserting that somehow she was a victim of non-consensual phone sex during a 36-minute phone call. And again, people are going to come after me with their pitchforks, and they're going to demand that I be fired, and how in the world go? I don't, whatever. Bring it. Bring the hate. Because it's not about me. It's just about looking at the basic facts and acting why this man is being treated this way and why I'm the only person who will talk about it. Think about it and ask yourself why that is. All right, that's a serious story, all right? Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment, but first, this. I'm going to now pivot into not very serious stories for a little while. I'm going to talk about the NFL that just happened. I'm going to talk about the college football that just happened. But some people say, Clay, you know, why do you do what you do? And the answer is, I feel very fortunate to be able to say every day exactly what I think. And I don't have to. Look, I could throw up the double deuces. I can go hang out at the beach. I can grab my, my phone here. I can throw it as far as I want to. I don't have to work anymore. I'm very fortunate in that respect. But I still see so many things going on in this country where I look around, I'm like, surely somebody's going to say something about this, right? Like, surely I'm like, I'm going to look over my left shoulder, like, somebody's going to, somebody notices this, right? Somebody looks at my, nobody's there. The amount of times that I am the only dude who will say something staggers me. That entire explanation of the Mel Tucker story that I just gave, if I didn't work, nobody would do it. There genuinely is no one else who will do it. And I just, I, I, I can't quit. That's why I can't quit. You can call me stupid. I care about these stories. I care about these BS stories when people's character gets destroyed and assassinated and no one will speak out for. Them. I do. And look, they're gonna, they are going gonna—they come after me all the time. I had to have a conversation in the car the other day with my kids. I said, look, you guys are getting older. You're starting to get on social media. You're starting to look around. You're going to see people say things about that all the time, all day long. Maybe you're going to start to experience it at school more often. I said, you know, I can't stop that from happening. I said, all I can tell you is what I would tell everybody out there who has kids. I said, doesn't matter what dad does for a living. Judge me based on dad. How do I do on a day-to-day basis in the house? Because everybody who has an opinion about me out there is going to know me a lot worse than you do. They're going to spend a lot less hours with me. And I would say this for every parent out there, allowing yourself to be defined by people who don't know you can be a challenge. I happen to have a public job, but if you talk to your kids, I say, hey, judge me on dad. Judge me, am I I at your game? Am I there to pick you up when I'm supposed to be there? Do I do a pretty good job on a day-to-day basis? You're going to know me way better than everybody else is. I bet Mel Tucker's talking to his kids saying the same thing. Brenda Tracy's the villain here. I'm sorry, she is. She's not a victim. She consented, 36-minute phone call, 27 phone calls over 30 minutes. And as soon as he tried to break off this relationship, she decided to go straight to Michigan State and try to get him fired. She's a scorned woman who got angry. She is the villain. And instead, Mel Tucker's being called the villain and losing his ability to work. It's wrong. Just flat out wrong. I'm not going to apologize for saying it. All right. Much less serious. Much less infinitely serious. Uh, College football. Texas whipped Alabama. Uh, Congratulations to Steve Sarkeesian. By the way, another imperfect coach. I'll just point it out. Came from the Nick Saban School of Rehab. For coaches who got fired for a variety of different reasons, Sark had personal demons. He seems to have worked through them. And he has now built a hell of a football program at Texas. And I hope that he is helping to build quality young men all over uh, the Longhorn program. Um, And on Saturday night, they went down to Tuscaloosa and they won, and they won going away. What did we learn? Texas is certainly back. Quinn Ewers got knocked out of the game last year in Austin. I was there. Got his, I think his clavicle broken, late hit, dirty play on some level. Came out, threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, 24 completions, was electric. I thought this game was won. Jalen Milrow made a big throw. Uh... To Burton, I think, if I remember correctly, 49-yard touchdown pass. Bama suddenly took the lead right as the third quarter ended. We've seen a lot of teams crumble in Tuscaloosa. Bama had the lead. Crowd's going crazy in Bryant-Denny. Texas takes the ball, goes right back down the field, scores. Beautiful drive. Immediately thereafter, uh, gets a turnover, takes a double-digit lead. Then we get a final 39-yard touchdown pass right after Alabama has scored, it's early in the season. But by and large, unless you have a six-turnover game like Alabama did against Ole Miss, if you are going to go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and win, you have to have a Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow-style quarterback. Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback at a national championship caliber team. Joe Burrow national title. Cam Newton, national title. Both wins in Bryant-Denny. I was there for both those games. Burrow and Cam were electric, extraordinary, transcendent quarterbacks in those games. Teams were also pretty good. Johnny Manziel happened later. He'd already lost a couple of games. He was a redshirt freshman. He built himself in that team. I really do believe this. And I can't even remember who won the title that year. I think it was Bama. I think if... Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M, the year that Manziel won the national title, I believe they finished 11-2. I think if they would gotten in the playoff, they were playing the best in college football. I think Kevin Sumlin's team would have won the national championship that year. I really do. They were playing the best by the end of that year. But what all three of those guys had in common was those are November games. What we don't know about Texas right now is week two, September. How is Texas going to play going forward? They've only got a couple of top 25 teams on the schedule. Uh, Oklahoma, and I believe Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken. I think those are the only teams top 25 on their schedule right now. It remains to be seen how well Quinn Ewers will continue to play, how much this Texas team will continue to grow. But Texas is back, monumental win. What does it mean for Alabama? Alabama is now 8-3 and three in their last 11. I think, and I've been wrong before, but I think the Alabama dynasty is over. I think Alabama is just good. They're not going to be ranked number one, I don't believe, this year. I don't think they're going to win the rest of the games, although they're helped because the SEC doesn't look very good this year. But I think, as is often the case, this told us a ton about Texas and also a ton about Alabama. Unless Alabama runs the table, wins the SEC West, and finds themselves in the playoff race, I think it's going to be a disappointing year. That's the standard Saban has set. This morning or yesterday morning when I checked, Alabama was 33-1 to to win a national championship. That is the absolute uh, lowest that Alabama I can remember ever seeing in September. And it's not just Alabama, by the way. It's also what's going on with the SEC. SEC looks awful this year. Uh, in the biggest games, Texas beat Alabama. Florida State beat LSU. Miami beat a Uh, Utah beat Florida, North Carolina beat South Carolina. Those are the five biggest out-of-conference games that the SEC has played so far this year. Now, to be fair, Tennessee beat Virginia, Auburn beat Cal, Mississippi State beat Arizona, Ole Miss beat Tulane. Those are decent wins. But the five biggest games the SEC has played out-of-conference in the first two weeks of the season, they lost all five. And they didn't just lose all five. They lost all five by double digits. What's going on? One, it might just be a down season for the SEC at the very top, right? Georgia hasn't played anybody that great. We'll see how the Bulldogs look. Maybe Tennessee could still end up good. We'll talk about them later this week as it pertains to the Florida game. So it's still possible there's some good teams at the top of the SEC. But I think what's going on is maybe it's just that they're not very good. I think NIL is also starting to factor in. And I think NIL is actually spreading talent more across college football than it was in a pre-NIL era. Guys are willing to go to schools that may be non-traditional powers, the Miamis of the world, uh, the Clemsons of the world, although Clemson had gotten really good, North Carolinas. Some of these schools are willing to pay money above board now through NIL that might not have had the ability to pay money under the table. Charitably, I think a lot of SEC players had been getting paid under the table. I think this has elevated it above board and actually limited, potentially, some of the SEC's advantage in that perspective. Uh, so I think that's what could be going on. Biggest win, Texas. Biggest loss this week, Texas AM. I was stunned by the fact that Miami hung 48 on Texas A&M. Big win for Mario Cristobal. Miami should now be 5-0. Uh, they are turning the, t- the corner, it looks like. That's another school, as I just mentioned, that has a lot of NIL money. But Jimbo Fisher's not getting it done. Last year, 5-7. and seven. Year before that, I believe, 8-4. and four. Coming off that 9-1 and one, uh, COVID year, When I think Texas A&M should have been one of the four college football playoff teams, they finished fifth that year. I thought Jimbo had things rolling, has signed, A&M has elite-level classes. They poured a lot of money in for NIL. I never would have believed it looked like Jimbo was about to take off back in the 2020 year. Instead, A&M has imploded. 2021, disappointing. 2022, disaster. 2023, it's a bad loss to start the year. And it's not just that Jimbo's not doing well. As you all know, college football is defined not only by how you do, but also by how you do compared to your biggest rival. Texas ascending, A&M declining. That's not good for Jimbo. So to me, that game stood out in a monster way. Other one, let me give credit to Dion. Colorado, 2-0, and I was wrong. I got the Texas game right. Wasn't a great gambling weekend, but I said I thought the Longhorns were going to win that game. They did. Uh, I was wrong. I thought that Nebraska would cover and win against Colorado. Instead, Colorado dominated them late in the second half, late in the second quarter, into the second half. It was a beatdown of epic proportions. Nebraska took it on the chin. Second week, Matt Rule, Sims, a lot of bad turnovers with that offense. And as a result, Colorado should be, Colorado State should be 3-0 with SC coming to town. Uh, sorry, going to Oregon, and then he got SC coming to town after that. Going to be interesting to follow. Uh, by the way, I've been going on for so long, I told you I might do an hour. I might have to save my NFL takes. In fact, I think I will for tomorrow. Let me give you my outkick top 10. Uh, this is where I would where I rank teams entirely based on how they have performed, not based off what I thought they would do. I try to eliminate preseason thought and only judge on the field. Results, Florida State is my number one team in America. Second best team, Colorado, uh, Texas. Number one, Florida State, Number two, Texas. Number three, Colorado. Number four, Miami. Number five USC. Number six, Duke, seven, North Carolina, eight, Utah, nine, Oregon, ten, Ole Miss. That is right now my overall top ten. A couple other things out there. My SEC power rankings. Ole Miss one, Auburn two, Tennessee three, Mississippi State four. You're saying, okay, how'd you end up with those four, Clay? Those are the only four SEC teams so far that have won against a Power 5 caliber opponent. I say caliber opponent because Tulane's a top 25 team and Ole Miss just went on the road and beat them. Uh, Then I have Georgia, hasn't played anybody. Arkansas, Missouri, Kentucky as the next four. Those schools are all undefeated, but like I said, they haven't really played anybody. And then ranking the remainder, I've got Bama, LSU, AM, Florida, South Carolina, and Vandy. Those teams have all lost and or have not beaten a Power 5 conference opponent so far. So there is my SEC ranking. That's the way that I am classifying them. Um, okay, a couple of other stories that are out there. Again, I'm now going to talk NFL tomorrow. And that could make sense because we'll have a full picture of week one after the Jets against the Bills game which I am on the over for. Um, They finally settled the ESPN charter dispute. I would encourage you to go read my full article on the ESPN charter dispute. It is, I think, a uh, really fascinating window into the modern cable satellite business and sports media in general. Um, And here is the truth. 20% Uh, uh, so Charter got everything they wanted ESPN rolled over and they gave Charter everything they wanted Charter timed this well they cut off ESPN right as college football started right as the U.S. Open was going held them over a barrel and said hey give us what we want or else ESPN relented ESPN gave in I think this further weakens the satellite uh, cable bundle because what it does at its most basic level is it changes the power dynamic. For decades, ESPN was able to say, if you take us off air, we'll absolutely rain holy hell down upon you. Charter said, yeah, we don't really need ESPN. Go and you can hop on another uh, service. Go sign up for FUBU. Uh, We'll be fine because Charter makes more money now off of broadband than they do cable. And this changes the dynamics in a big way. And I think it further hastens the demise of ESPN because everybody's going to look at what Charter got now and they're going to say, why wouldn't we get the same thing? And I think as a result, ESPN's in real trouble. Uh, But as a part of this, Charter gets access to all the ESPN streaming services. They also get to remove, uh, I don't know all these these channels, some of you may, Baby TV, Disney Junior, Disney HD, Freeform, FXM, FXX, National Geographic Wild, and National Geographic Mundo. I don't know much about these channels, but it's a sign uh, that we are going to see more and more cable and satellite companies standing up to Disney slash ESPN because the power dynamics have shifted. Uh, And ESPN was terrified that if they weren't on in... L.A. and New York and Dallas, which are the three biggest markets for charter, that they were going to have massive failures. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know when this thing would have gotten resolved. So ESPN rolled over and said, uh, hey, you're right. You're the boss. We apologize effectively. Uh, DeSantis and Trump were at the Iowa-Iowa State game good move by both. I would point out that I thought it was interesting. Trump set sh- uh, in a suite. DeSantis was in the crowd with Kim Reynolds. Trump has opened up a big lead. Uh, it was a chaotic scene, I was told all over Ames uh, as uh, I lost by the way on the uh, on the over under game hit it under again. Um, but to me, um, nothing has changed yet that is going to alter the dynamics of the race. You say, who's the nominee going to be? If Trump wins on January 15th in Iowa, I think it's going to be very hard for this not to have been a settled race. So pay attention to how much campaigning actually is going on to in Iowa as we sit here with four months to go until uh, all of this ends up happening. Uh, By the way, tomorrow. NFL reaction, Pac-12 lawsuit analysis, Fifth Circuit, First Amendment analysis, why it's important. I want to close with this. Novak Djokovic, uh, you may have seen, I shared from the U.S. Open, Novak Djokovic won the U.S. Open this year after being refused entry last year because he wouldn't get the COVID shot. Um, And Moderna sponsored the shot of the day, which ESPN aired. Novak, of course, refused to get the Moderna or the Pfizer shot, like me, uh, because he believed he did not need it. He already had COVID twice, and he did not believe that he should be required to have that shot. I think Novak Djokovic is one of the bravest athletes of our era, because to me, bravery requires that you give up freedom or potentially risk your life. Uh, That's the basic definition, to me, of, of, of courage, of bravery. Novak Djokovic wasn't allowed into the United States. He was ridiculed, ripped to the high heavens, and he risked whether he would become the greatest tennis player of all time. He wasn't allowed into Australia in 2022 He returned and he won the 2023 Australian Open. He wasn't allowed in the United States in 2022. He returned and he won the 2023 U.S. Open. Novak would have been favored to win the U.S. Open and the Australian Open in 2022. He now has 24 uh, Grand Slams. Probably would have 25 or 26 if he had been allowed to play In those tournaments, it would have been easy for him to go get a shot. He didn't do it. He was willing to stand on principle, even though there was a great cost to him. That's bravery. That's courage. We often misuse those phrases because oftentimes when we say somebody is brave or courageous, particularly in the athletic context, they're actually making more money because of their bravery or courage. At a minimum, you should be willing to stand on principle, even if it costs you financially or, in the case of Djokovic, could have potentially cost him the ability to be the greatest tennis player of all time. I didn't have a strong opinion one way or the other about Novak before this COVID decision. I love him now. I respect him infinitely more, just like I do Aaron Rodgers, just like I do Kyrie Irving, and the countless other individuals who were willing to stand up and make a principled decision, even if it opened them up to the slings and arrows of derision. Bravo, Novak. I love that ESPN had to say the Moderna shot of the day brought to you championship point by the guy who refused to get the shot. And I would also leave you with this question as I finish off a Monday show that's probably going to have me getting ripped to the high heavens for all the opinions that I have shared, but I don't care. I leave you with this thought. Why does Moderna have to advertise? Why is Moderna the presenting sponsor of the U.S. Open? Why are they spending tens of millions of dollars of your hard-earned taxpayer dollars that our government gave to them to advertise at a tennis tournament. I don't remember seeing anybody advertise the measles, mumps, or rubella shots at tennis tournaments. I don't remember any companies advertising vaccines that I got and that your kids all got. Why is Moderna, a for-profit corporation, using your taxpayer dollars to advertise the fact that you need to go consume their product? Just think about it. Lots of things that big pharma do that are helpful. But is it right that you should be able to advertise drugs on television? I'm not talking about over-the-counter drugs, Tylenol, Advil, whatever, that you can just go into a drug gr- drugstore and buy. I'm talking about for-profit prescriptions that you have to ask your physician to be writing for you. I just think it's a really interesting question that I hear almost no one discussing. But in the meantime, congratulations, Novak Djokovic. I love what you stood for. I love that you uh, accepted and stood for principle over your own personal profit. That's what I aspire to do, and that's what I hope to continue to do for years and years to come. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Thank you, as always, for watching.